0: You are listening to America's Home for stadium news and information. Stadium's USA Radio.
1: Once again, with your ticket to the action,
0: here's Bill Hazen. The final stats are in on the 2016 baseball season. These are the stats that really matter. Stadium attendance. As we work through the Thanksgiving leftovers, Jerry Tapp joins us from StatsOnTap.com to chronicle the attendance race with an eye toward this question. How much does winning affect attendance? Also a conversation with a man who has arguably the best seat in Death Valley. That's LSU public address announcer Dan Borne. Later, sports writer Mike McCarthy joins us to talk about his stadium bucket list. He'll unveil what he believes to be the best seats in sports. And, of course, a post Thanksgiving edition of Talking Shop. But first, the stadiums meet with Jeff Schmidt.
1: Jeff? Well, regarding the Raiders, Oakland Mayor Libby Schaff announced this week that the city has reached a framework of an agreement with the Ronnie Lott Group for a new stadium. Raiders owner Mark Davis is not included in that agreement and he has given no indication he will stay in the Bay Area. Mark and Bill will have much more on this coming up. Let's stay in Oakland and focus on the A's. The team's new president says he's committed to keeping the A's in Oakland and says he will focus on securing an agreement for a privately funded ballpark. David Cavill is the former president of soccer's San Jose Earthquakes and is credited with spearheading the construction of that team's new soccer venue. Soon he will open his office at the Oakland Coliseum, and he says on every Tuesday he's inviting fans to come into his office and share their thoughts on a new ballpark. Well, it is official in the Motor City, the Detroit Pistons will be joining the Red Wings next season in the new downtown Little Caesars Arena. That move means all four Detroit area professional sports teams will be playing within blocks of each other. The Pistons move out of the Palace of Auburn Hills is subject to approval by the NBA. And in Phoenix, Maricopa County's plan to sell Chase Field is now on hold. The prospective buyer has ended negotiations. The home of the Diamondbacks has been the focus of a dispute between the team and the county over ballpark maintenance. What's next? Well, that's up to the two sides on how to proceed. The D-backs have claimed there is $187 million in deferred repairs at the ballpark, and they have discussed leaving the venue altogether bill. That's the very latest.
0: I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving, Jeff, and thanks. All of the games have been played now in Major League Baseball, but all of the stats have not been counted. We have a few to go over yet, particularly regarding Major League Baseball in its entirety. So as we have a winter chill in the air following the Cubs' dramatic Game 7 win over Cleveland, we're going to turn to our stadiums-by-the-numbers guy, Jerry Tapp, the pride of Parkside, Wisconsin Parkside, (laughs) who joins us, and he is the author of statsontap.com. Jerry, we have a lot to dive into, and forgive me as I'm fighting my way through a cold here. I sound like Gary Gears here, but uh, (laughs) we'll go ahead and take it and see how we do. Let's look at the gate. Who had a good year at the gate and who didn't?
2: What I did was I I was obviously looking at the success that the Cubs had, and one thing obviously you notice is that they obviously played well, increased their win total over last year and the previous year as well, Mm -hmm. but obviously their attendance numbers went up as well. So um, as I was looking at those things, I started wondering if it happened for the Cubs, does it happen for other teams as well? Uh, So the theory going in was – All you've got to do is increase your win totals, and you'll see your attendance go up. Again, the Cubs, um, this past season, obviously um, increased their win total by six wins to, I believe it was 103. um, And their attendance went from 2.9 million to Mm 3.2. Their opponents in the World Series, the Indians, they increased their win total by 13 over the previous year. And their attendance went from 1.4 million to 1.6. So, again, that was kind of the, the foundation of how I wanted to proceed here. And let me just throw out some numbers, and, and we can talk some more about it. But sure. of the 10 playoff teams, six of the playoff teams increased their attendance this season. So that's um, a 60%. The flip side of that, of the 20 teams that did not make the playoffs, 14 of them saw their attendance go down, or 70% of that. So that would lead you to believe that if if you want to increase your attendance at your ballpark, it's probably a good idea to be a playoff-quality team as the season goes on. That's what that one statistic, I think, kind of jumps out at. The other thing relative to the 10 playoff teams that I saw was that seven of the 10 this year, Boston, the Cubs, the Giants, Texas, the Dodgers, the Mets, and Toronto, each of those seven teams finished in the top 10 in attendance. So Mm -hmm. it seems to prove our theory that um, if you can be a playoff type of team, um, your attendance is going to go up.
0: The Cleveland Indians, Jerry, are the big mystery here. Uh, As they got good, the attendance did go up, but not very much. They finished As the third lowest team in attendance at about a million seven, as you know, the Cubs clicked in at about 3.2 million, but the Cubs have been drawing at or nearly at 3 million for many, many years. Good, bad, or indifferent. I would think if there is one team that is insulated to a degree from wins and losses, it is the Chicago Cubs. They're just going to draw.
2: Absolutely. And I, and I think um, I think we see that with some different clubs. And, and I've always said that it's one thing to build a new stadium. And, and I saw it when the Brewers built Miller Park. Uh, the theory was that you, you build a new park. Attendance is going to thrive for several years because the novelty of a new ballpark. People are going to get there one time, two times, maybe a handful of times. There's probably some time in the young life of a new park, whether it's five years, seven years, where all of a sudden the novelty wears off. And what really becomes important is, do you have a quality team on the field? I haven't tried to analyze that, tried to find out what that year is, but you're absolutely right. I think that there are ball clubs that just based on the nature of who they are, and the Cubs are the perfect example, you're always going to draw well But there are teams like Cleveland that you would think, boy, you've got a good team that's really making a run and uh, you can't get past that 1.6 million mark. Um, It's really a shame, but that's the reality of what's going on in baseball today.
0: What about baseball overall, Jerry, uh, about its attendance numbers and its overall financial health?
2: I think the easy way to answer that is there obviously is still interest in baseball, and and again I think you do have a core amount of people, and again I'll reference it to Milwaukee. I I, I think you have a core basis of fans that show up that have a real interest on the winning and losing, but I think there's also a core of people that baseball stadiums are a destination. You know, I'll take, for example, friends and, and family that I have that, you know, they might go to a handful of games or maybe even just one or two games based on the fact that somebody says, hey, let's go to a Brewer game. The interest in the Brewers isn't so much whether they're winning or losing. It's just that they want to go to a game, they want to experience it, they want to be in the ballpark, things like that. I think there are a core amount of people throughout the country that do that, and I think there are a core amount of people that – you know, are really fans, and they try to get to as many games as they can.
0: Jerry, a real pleasure to visit with you. Let's steer everybody over so they can see the article on which this interview is based. Statsontap.com is where you will find it. Jerry, you also have a Twitter address, so let's pass that along. Your handle and get that along yeah. to everybody.
2: Yeah, that that is at Statsontap. I cover the gamut of major league baseball the nba the nfl and usually if you go to my website or my blog there you're probably going to get anywhere from three to four articles a week that that look at sports statistics and i try to dive into the stats and, and try to go a little bit beyond the numbers and instead of just regurgitating numbers try to go a little bit more in depth
0: now when we return we'll have more of stadiums usa right here on sb nation radio
1: How would you like to get all of your favorite NBA team's merchandise delivered straight to your doorstep? Check out FanEssentials.net. All you do is pick your favorite sports team and every month you get your team's gear shipped right to your door. They find the sports gear so you don't have to. Each fan box comes packed full with amazing gear. It makes a great gift idea for any sports fan prices start at just $34.99. Visit fanessentials.net and use promo code STADIUM and check out for 30% off your first month. Visit fanessentials.net to get all of the essentials you need.
0: If you ever step inside Fame Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge to watch a football game, you'll be hearing the public address voice of Dan Borne. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the beginning of the fourth quarter.
3: The sun will soon find its home in the western sky, and it will be Saturday night in Death Valley.
0: We're going to visit with Dan right now. Dan, it has to be a thrill. You've been there and at that microphone for a while. Uh, You are very much part of the institution, which is uh, LSU football. And uh, take us inside Tiger Stadium and share some of your thoughts about that wonderful place where you work.
3: Well, it is a special place, and uh, it is uh, most special uh, at night. Uh, The cultural institution in South Louisiana is Saturday night in Death Valley, Uh, because with the advent of television many years ago, more and more games moved to the afternoon, and a couple of them even to the late morning, because of contractual um, requirements. But all of our games were at night, and uh, the stadium is beautiful. um, It's an old stadium. Uh, It was built initially as a dormitory, uh, so that Governor Huey Long could get a football stadium. The legislature wouldn't give him the money for a stadium, so he built a dormitory around a football field, and that became the stadium.
0: It's interesting. We all hear about the noise in there, how difficult it is. Uh, we remember the quotes of uh, the legendary Bear Bryant saying that was the toughest place to play that there was. What is? Is there anything from an architectural standpoint that makes it so tough? Well,
3: I think acoustically, it's more intense now because the south end is no longer, uh, it's higher than it used to be. So it's got a double deck on it uh, of suites and uh, premium seating. And so the noise uh, is more intense. Uh, But it was loud in that stadium back even in the the 50s and 60s when it only sat 68,000. Uh, And it went from 68,000 to 72,000, from 72,000 to 92,000, and now to 102,000. The people uh, who follow LSU football are are noisy. (laughs) Uh, They begin tailgating uh, late in the week, and uh, it culminates uh, when the sun sets in the western sky, and it's Saturday night in Death Valley. And by that time, they're pretty well cranked up. They're loud, uh, and they're persistent. And uh, they don't take prisoners.
0: The tailgating experience is something which is a really full-bore experience in the SEC, but particularly at LSU. Is it unusual to see tailgaters starting, uh, getting into the area, getting their spots in the parking lot, whatever lot or lots they use to hold the larger vehicles, which, of course, is necessary for something like this? Is it unusual to see vehicles in that lot earlier in the week than Friday, say?
3: Oh yeah, they, they'll uh, they'll come in late Thursday and then early Friday, and you know it's not just the big vehicles that uh, do the tailgating. Uh, you know, folks just uh, park and set up tents uh, and start cooking. Mm-hmm. And I think what's um, especially appealing about LSU football is the variety of food that we have here. Uh, other parts of the uh, conference or uh, their great tailgating venues, but what we have here is a combination of New Orleans cuisine, Cajun cuisine and uh, you know uh, north louisiana cuisine we have alligator we have crawfish we have a venison uh we mix a lot of things with rice and we eat them uh we will generally eat anything that doesn't eat us first down here and i think uh you know our 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 fans uh love to cook for visitors from out of town and the visitors love to come here and tailgate with uh with our fans and there's a camaraderie that's uh that that grows between between visitors that uh, come back every two years uh, with those teams that we play every every two years at home, and they hook up again with their old friends, uh, Tiger fans. And then about uh, 10 minutes before game time, they're in the stadium on opposite sides, uh, you know, trying to uh, choke each other. But uh, that's just the nature of it here. It's a cultural phenomenon. It lasts a long time. That's why, uh, you know, it's great to play at night, because our folks don't like uh, to quit eating and drinking at 2 o'clock, uh, they like to, uh, they like to get, uh, get, get fully ramped up in time for the kickoff. I don't want to overstate this. Uh, we, we don't have a bunch of drunks in our stadium. That's not it at all. But we have, a, 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 we have people who are really, really intense about football.
0: Dan, I would imagine the acoustics of a stadium that big uh, are reflected in the fact that your voice really echoes when you go ahead and say something initially. You might be hearing it for several seconds after you said it. Does that take any adjustment for you getting used to uh, hearing the, your voice not only booming out initially, but then coming back at you and back at you a few times?
3: It's a good question. Uh, and and the the reverb... Uh, really doesn't bother me. Um, I have a, I have an ear cap. Of course, I have a you know an earphone on my right ear, and my left ear is uh, it doesn't have, I don't have an earphone on that. I, it's open, and so I can hear myself instantaneously in my right ear, and then I'll hear a little bit of a reverb in my left ear when it comes out of the speaker. But I've got to have one ear open because my spotters have to be able to tell me, help me. Uh, determine who ran the ball and, you know, who made the stop. And so I've got to have an ear open where I can hear them. So I can't, I can't have earphones on both ears. So I've gotten used to that, and it really does, it's, it's really not a distraction at all. And, you know, we have band announcers that come in from other teams who, uh, who come in and they, they do the band, the halftime band, for their for their respective schools, they get used to it right away, too. It's something that if you have any experience talking into a mic and and a speaker system, you tend to adjust to pretty quickly.
0: Dan, uh, on the side, you've done a little poetry, and I've had a chance to uh, (laughs) (laughs) check out that piece of poetry you did. I'd like to compliment you. It may seem silly, but I thought it was great. Tell us about the poem you wrote about Tiger Stadium.
3: Well, a few years ago... uh, the marketing guys came to me and said, look, we're thinking about doing a piece of video that captures Tiger Stadium, that captures a Saturday night in Death Valley. And they said, you know, you've been around here since the 50s. and Literally, I, I began going to LSU games uh, when I was uh, seven, eight years old in the mid-50s. So, and I've seen that stadium and that program uh, change and evolve over the years with ups and downs. And now, you know, we've got a great program again. And they asked me to put some thoughts down about that stadium, and I honestly spent a few minutes uh, thinking about it, and and, uh, I threw some words together and sent it back to them, and apparently they thought it had some merit. And so they put it to uh, film, and they put it to voice, and they uh, hired an NFL uh, films guy out of uh, of California to read it. And so every game, uh, just prior to kickoff, They play the poem and they play the video and the, you know, the the video that goes
0: with it. It is a pantheon of concrete and steel. It is a city that rises defiantly in the delta, alongside the father of waters. It is the humidity of autumn evenings, the draped stately oaks and broad magnolias. That's the true traditions of LSU. That's what this is really all about. Dan, we appreciate the visit. Wonderful to talk about Death Valley and the Tigers Stadium, which, as you know through the years, and as you've already mentioned, is a stadium that has grown and grown and grown and is now one of those super uh, tough uh, places to play and a lot of people can watch. So, uh, when folks come out uh, either to the Maravich Center or next year to watch the Tigers in action, uh, they will know who they're listening to and we wish you all the best
3: it's been a pleasure and we would love to host as many of you who are listening some saturday night in death valley
0: dan bornay our guest as we talk about death valley beautiful tiger stadium in baton rouge stand by now we're going to talk shop that is next coming your way right here on
1: sb nation radio How would you like to get all of your favorite NBA team's merchandise delivered straight to your doorstep? Check out fanessentials.net. All you do is pick your favorite sports team, and every month you get your team's gear shipped right to your door. They find the sports gear so you don't have to. Each fan box comes packed full with amazing gear. It makes a great gift idea for any sports fan. Prices start at just $34.99. Visit FanEssentials.net and use promo code STADIUM and check out for 30% off your first month. Visit FanEssentials.net to get all of the essentials you need.
0: It is time for the Barry White edition of Talking Shop. You're truly kind of fighting through a cold here. However, I am very happy to inform you that Mark Madoran President and creator of the Stadiums USA website is basking in the sunshine of Florida. You can count on Stadiums USA, the preeminent source for stadium news and information. StadiumsUSA.com. Check it out. Mark. The news this week is interesting in Oakland. The mayor there, Libby Schaff, has announced the framework of a deal to keep the Raiders in Oakland. Bay Area officials have been silent up to this point in regards to a new venue for the Raiders. What is the mayor proposing?
4: Well, there is a framework agreement in place. The group, including Ronnie Lott, has met with Mayor Schaff and they came up with some type of an agreement uh, to move ahead. Unfortunately, the agreement was made without the inclusion of the Raiders, who are the primary tenant of the stadium. Mm-hmm. And Raiders owner Mark Davis uh, has agreed to remain in Oakland under the right circumstances, but he is not a party to the whatever the mayor has proposed at this point. Um, The other uh, situation is the mayor's agreement still needs the approval of two groups, one, the Board of Supervisors, and secondly, the Oakland City Council. Now, the city council could meet and approve this agreement November 29th. We're just going to have to wait and see how this is all going to play out, but at least Oakland is moving forward in
0: some way to try and get something done. Mark, some big college football games are taking place this weekend. and this is one reason why we love this weekend in the college football schedule. No game is bigger than Michigan and Ohio State in Columbus. The tickets for this game, well, just how hot are they?
4: Well, they're hot. They're as hot as they've ever been. Uh, This is great rivalry weekend and the two big games, Alabama, Auburn and the Iron Bowl and number two, Ohio State against number three, Michigan being played at the Horseshoe in Columbus. Uh, Every year, these teams play every year. It's a grudge match, but it's rare that the two teams are ranked in the top four in the nation. And certainly it's going to affect the playoffs as far as who wins and who loses at this point. You can get a ticket on the secondary market, but bring some dough. The tickets are now going $595 each. Mm. That is the highest that uh, we've ever been able to track a ticket for this particular grudge game has gone. Last year, the tickets went for only $225. And in 2012, the highest year that we have uh, numbers for, they went for $299. And uh, they're going for double that this year. But as you say... All the marbles are on the table. And if you get a chance to go to a grudge match game, the uh, the atmosphere is absolutely incredible at these games.
1: Mm-hmm. Remember,
4: these two teams have played each other for well over 100 years, and they don't particularly like each other or like each other's campuses. <laughs> and uh, it's really fun, and it's just great, great theater. So I think it's wonderful. If you can get a chance to ever go to a rivalry game like this, you'll never forget the atmosphere. The 595 Not only is the highest for this particular rivalry game, it's also the highest for this year, for any game played this year, which is not too surprising, the number two and three teams playing each other. So before that, any of the games were down in the 200 range. If you want to go to Alabama, um, Auburn, tickets are available in Tuscaloosa for $400 each. So you could save a couple of hundred dollars by going to see Alabama.
0: What a bargain. Oh, man. Uh, Mark, the other shoe is dropping on the Atlanta Braves ballpark in Cobb County. Some homeowners who live near the park are going to be forced to move. The county is trying to expand the roads that feed in and out of the ballpark to help alleviate traffic congestion, and that means some homes are going to be bought up and demolished. That was not part of the original plan as I understand it. What's the story here, Mark?
4: Well, it's another black eye for the Cobb County people. The new Braves Park, SunTrust Park, I'm sure it's going to be a great facility, but many residents there have been unhappy that the community was not really fully consulted before the deal was made. Now Cobb County is going to use the power of eminent domain to buy 31 houses to build a four-lane road into the new complex. The homeowners will be given fair market value, but some don't want to move. You know, it's hard to move out of your home, uh, even if you're given the, uh, the market value. So there have been discussions about traffic since this location was announced. The um, congestion could be rather severe on game days, and we'll have to wait and see how that's going to play out. It's interesting to note that the politician who was one of the key players in backing the plan and getting the Braves to move Uh, was voted out of office and is no longer around, so he (laughs) won't be there when they throw out
0: the first pitch at SunTrust Park in April. Let's get on to a little stadium trivia here.
4: Okay, Bill, before we get out of here, um, a little stadium trivia from our questions on the website. And we always love to have these trivia questions, and they focus on stadiums uh, all over the United States. And here's a great stadium question for you. This classic college basketball arena – did not have air conditioning until cooling units were installed in 2002. Can Mm -hmm. you name the arena that was slow to cool off their fans? All right. Williams Arena, University of Minnesota. Hmm. Cameron Indoor Arena, Duke University. The Palestra in Philadelphia. And Assembly Hall, one of our favorites. (laughs) (laughs) Indiana University.
0: That's really good. You know, I'm looking at that Cameron Indoor Arena, and it sticks out like a sore thumb, but I just don't see that it can be that. I'm going with a Palestra in Philadelphia because it goes back so far that it might have predated air conditioning. What's the answer?
4: That's a well-thought-out guess because the Palestra's age would indicate that it was built before modern cooling systems. But unfortunately, wrong.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the correct answer
4: is Cameron Indoor Arena, where I'm sure they played thousands of games without any air conditioning, and it might have gotten pretty warm down
0: there by the oh, by the court. Boy, you are right about that. That's pretty good, Mark. You fooled me on that one. So uh, I certainly hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving, and we'll see you next week. Have a good weekend. And you too, Mark. Mark Medora and we talk shop. Now, coming up, what's on your stadium bucket list? We can help you with that. Our next guest can, because that person has found out 10 of the coolest seats in sport. We'll find out about it next on SB Nation Radio. Those of us who are sports fans often think about the places we would most like to see. Today, they call it a bucket list. Where would you like to go and what stadiums would you like to see? Mike McCarthy, writer and a contributor to Sports Illustrated has come up with his favorite list of 10. He did this for CNBC. We know him from Advertising Age, from USA Today, Newsday, Sports Biz USA. He has covered the beat, and he has been in an awful lot of places. And we have Mike as a guest now. Mike, it's a fascinating list. This is a great, great stimulator, a conversation stimulator. you can have an awful lot of fun with this. What a great idea this was.
5: Thank you very much. Uh, I really enjoyed doing it
0: let's start with number one what do you think is the best seat in the house and a must seat for anybody in america where would that be
5: well i've sat in a lot of seats at a lot of different stadiums and arenas and and to me the most unique view and the most unique seat in terms of history are the monster seats on top of the left field wall in fenway park it's just an amazing seat i've Compared it to, uh, you know, growing up in an environment, if you're on the roof of an apartment building, looking down into the courtyard, and the courtyard below you is a left fielder. I mean, the the drop is that sheer. It's a four-story wall, but you're looking straight down into the action. Um, Also, it's a great place to catch home runs. There's a lot of home runs that go up there uh, in both batting practice and during a game. And number three, I think what makes it so unique and so different is the history. You know, this is the left field wall, the famous green monster that didn't have seats for decades. You know, that was where Fisk hit his home run, and that was where Bucky Dent hit his home run. And to be able to sit in that exact spot is amazing.
0: Yeah, indeed. And you can also see how the left fielder plays that wall, you know, that bounce back. Sometimes you can hold a player to a single off of that wall. It's pretty incredible to see. What a great view for that, huh? The left fielder is so close to you that
5: when he's playing a ball off the warning track, you can't even see him. He goes below your vision. Uh, And it's, you know, it not only has a great view of uh, the left fielder, but it's a great panoramic view of the ballpark. And it's bragging rights. Uh, you know, those are really still the hottest seats in sports after all these years. They, they have to have raffles and lotteries to figure out who's going to, you know, get them. They still s- sell standing room only seats up there. People would kill for a standing room only
0: seat. Madison Square Garden is on your list, and MSG, about two years ago, underwent a major renovation of their facility, which included a special zone, which is almost bolted to the roof, uh, called the Chase Bridge Seats. Take us up there and tell us what that's all about, because that is high on your list. Well, Madison Square Garden is known as the world's most famous arena, and you know, I'm sure some people would debate that, but more
5: people than not would agree with that. It is the world's most famous arena. It's where uh, the Knicks uh, won their championships. It's where Ali Frazier fought in 71. I mean, it just really is incredible. And what Madison Square Garden did, as opposed to a lot of facilities, is rather than just tearing down and starting over as the previous Madison Square Gardens did, they actually decided to rebuild the whole arena from the inside out. So they kept that famous circular exterior and they kept the famous spoke roof, but everything inside of it is new. And the single most talked about part of this renovation was what they call the bridges. These are two bridges that have bolted to the roof of the garden, and they run across the length of the ice or the length of the basketball court. There have never been uh, seats up in this location. It really is a unique view, very much like uh, the Fenway Park d- looking directly down kind of view. And I picked those seats because it was a vantage point in Madison Square Garden that no fans had ever been able to see. 50 years. Uh, A unique look, almost kind of a bird's eye view, if you will, Uh, you're flying over uh, the action. Here's a good tip for your listeners, too. Uh, If they're in New York and they go to the Garden, one of the bridges is open to anybody who has a ticket. So you don't have to... uh, have a ticket to go up there and check out this location. You could go up on the bridge, you could take your beer, take your hot dog, go up there, walk around on the bridge. And uh, the view up there is unique because on one side you've got the game, and on the left side you've still got the upper bowl, Uh, where fans are sitting at eye level with you, but they're watching the
0: game underneath the bridge. (laughs) The uh, Brooklyn Nets, their new arena, the Barclays Center, which has received very high reviews. You've gone inside their special suites known as the Vault Suites. Take us inside and tell us why that makes your list.
5: Well, the Vault Suites are kind of like going to the hottest club in Manhattan, except you're steps away from the basketball court in NBA action. Anybody who's anybody in New York, entertainment, they hang out at these seats. They're like going to a private club. Uh, There's all sorts of... you know, fantastic food. The booze is flowing. The conversation is flowing. It, it's really a special, special place. Barclays is an interesting arena in that it really comes off like that. It, it looks like a place that's built more like a nightclub with a basketball court in the middle of it. So as a result, it it grabs a crowd of a lot of celebrities. It's a great place to people watch.
0: You found the sideline seats at Seattle's CenturyLink Field, the home of the Seattle Seahawks, to be quite appealing. Tell us about those.
5: Well, think about it. Uh, Imagine going to your favorite football stadium, Uh, and you're a Seattle Seahawks fan, and instead of going into the stands, you're actually seated on the field in a recliner. (laughs) <laughs> like you wear it at home, uh, and, the, and the seat reclines, and it's like you know, having your favorite Barker lounger at the game. And, of course, the other special thing about it is you're closer than any fan on the field. No matter how good somebody's seats are, no matter how much they paid, you're the one who's closest to the football action.
0: Well, Mike, I'll tell you, it's a great conversation starter, no doubt. Thank you so much for the visit. This is a great idea and a lot of fun to talk about. We appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Uh, I really enjoyed doing it. That's our program for this week. Join us again next week for Stadiums USA on Blog Talk Radio.